Welcome to this Uvula audio presentation of Wise Blood by Flannery O'Connor. Volume 2. Chapter 3. His second night in talking him, Hazel Motes walked along downtown, close to the storefronts, but not looking in them. The black sky was underpinned with long silver streaks that looked like scaffolding, and depth on depth behind it were thousands of stars that all seemed to be moving very slowly, as if they were about some vast construction work that involved the whole order of the universe and would take all of time to complete. No one was paying any attention to the sky. The stores in Talkingham stayed open on Thursday nights so that people could have an extra opportunity to see what was for sale. Hayes's shadow was now behind him, and now before him, and now and then broken up by other people's shadows. But when it was by itself stretching behind him, it was a thin, nervous shadow walking backwards. His neck was thrust forward as if he were trying to smell something that was always being drawn away. The glary light from the store windows made his blue suit look purple. After a while, he stopped where a lean-faced man had a card table set up in front of a department store and was demonstrating a potato peeler. The man had on a small canvas hat and a shirt patterned with bunches of upside-down pheasants and quail and bronze turkeys. He was pitching his voice under the street noises so that it reached every ear distinctly as if in a private conversation. A few people gathered around. There were two buckets on the card table, one empty and the other full of potatoes. Between the two buckets there was a pyramid of green cardboard boxes, and on top of the stack one peeler was open for demonstration. The man stood in front of this altar, pointing over it at various people. How about you? he said, pointing at a damp-haired, pimpled boy. You ain't gonna let one of these go by. He stuck a brown potato in one end of the machine. The machine was a square tin box with a red handle, and as he turned the handle, the potato went into the box, and then in a second, backed out the other side, white. You ain't gonna let one of these go by, he said. The boy guffawed and looked at the other people gathered around. He had yellow hair and a fox-shaped face. "'What's your name?' the peeler man asked. "'Enoch Emery,' the boy said and shuffled. "'A boy with a pretty name like that ought to have one of these,' the man said, rolling his eyes, trying to warm up the others. Nobody laughed but the boy. Then a man standing across from Hazel Motes laughed. Not a pleasant laugh, but one that had a sharp edge. He was a tall, cadaverous man with a black suit and a black hat on. He had on dark glasses and his cheeks were streaked with lines that looked as if they had been painted on and had faded. They gave him the expression of a grinning mandrel. As soon as he laughed, he began to move forward in a deliberate way, jiggling a tin cup in one hand and tapping a white cane in front of him with the other. Just behind him there came a child handing out leaflets. She had on a black dress and a black knit cap pulled down low on her forehead. There was a fringe of brown hair sticking out from either side. She had a long face and a short, sharp nose. The man selling peelers was irritated when he saw the people looking at this pair instead of him. 
How about you there? He said, pointing at Hayes. You'll never be able to get a bargain like this in any store. Hayes was looking at the blind man and the child. Hey, Enoch Emery said, reaching across a woman and punching his arm. He's talking to you. He's talking to you. Enoch had to punch him again before he looked at the peeler man. Why don't you take one of these home to your wife? The peeler man was saying. Don't have one, Hayes muttered, looking at the blind man again. Well then, you got a dear old mother, don't you? No. Well, pshaw, the man said with his hand cupped to the people. He needs one of these here just to keep him company. Enoch Emery thought that was so funny he doubled over and slapped his knee, but Hazel Motes didn't look as if he had heard it yet. I'm going to give away a half dozen peeled potatoes to the first person purchasing one of these here machines, the man said. Who's going to step up first? Only a dollar and a half for a machine would cost you three dollars in any store. Enoch Emery began fumbling in his pockets. You'll thank the day you ever stopped here, the man said. You'll never forget it, ever. One of you people purchasing one of these here machines will never forget it. The blind man was moving forward slowly, saying in a kind of garbled mutter, Help a blind preacher. If you won't repent, give up a nickel. I can use it as good as you. Help a blind, unemployed preacher. Wouldn't you rather have me beg than preach? Come on, give a nickel if you won't repent. There were not many people gathered around, but the ones who were began to move off. When the machine seller saw this, he glared over the card table. Hey, you! he yelled at the blind man. Who do you think you are running people off from here? The blind man didn't pay any attention to him. He kept on rattling the cup, and the child kept on handing out pamphlets. He passed Enoch Emery and came on toward Hayes, hitting the white cane out at an angle from his leg. Hayes leaned forward and saw that the lines on his face were not painted on. They were scars. What the hell do you think you're doing? The man selling peelers yelled. I got these people together. How do you think you can hoard in? The child held one of the pamphlets out to Hayes, and he grabbed it. The words on the outside of it said, Jesus calls you. I'd like to know who the hell you think you are, the man with the peelers was yelling. The child went back to where he was and handed him a track. He looked at it for an instant, with his lips curled, and then charged around the card table, upsetting the bucket of potatoes. These damn Jesus fanatics! He yelled, glaring around, trying to find the blind man. New people gathered, hoping to see a disturbance. These damn communist foreigners! The peeler man screamed. I got this crowd together! He stopped, realizing there was a crowd. Listen, folks! One at a time. There's plenty to go around. Just don't push. A half a dozen peeled potatoes on the first person stepping up to buy. He got back behind the card table quietly and started holding up the peeler boxes. Step on up. Plenty to go around. No need to crowd, he said. Hayes didn't open his tract. He looked at the outside of it and then he tore it across. He put the two pieces together and tore them across again. He kept restacking the pieces and tearing them again and again until he had a little handful of confetti.
He turned his hand over and let the shredded leaflet sprinkle to the ground. Then he looked up and saw the blind man's child, not three feet away, watching him. Her mouth was open. Her eyes glittered on him like two chips of green bottle glass. She had a white gunny sack hung over her shoulder. Hay scowled and began rubbing his sticky hands on his pants. I seen you, she said. Then she moved quickly over to where the blind man was standing now, beside the card table, and turned her head and looked at Hayes from there. Most of the people had moved off. The peeler man leaned over the card table and said, Yeah, and I reckon that'll show you. You can't muscle it on me. Sold eight peelers. Sold. Give me one of them, the blind man's child said, pointing to the peelers. Ha, he said. She was untying a handkerchief. She untied two fifty-cent pieces out of the knotted corner of it. Give me one of them, she said, holding out the money. The man eyed it with his mouth hiked to one side. A buck fifty, sister. She pulled her hand in quickly and all at once glared at Hazel Moats as if he had made a noise at her. The blind man was moving on. She stood a second glaring at Hayes. Then she turned and followed the blind man. Hayes started. Listen, Enoch Emery said, I ain't got but a dollar sixteen cent, and I want one of them. You can keep it, the man said, taking the bucket off the card table. This ain't no cut-rate joint. Hayes could see the blind man moving down the street some distance away. He stood staring after him, jerking his hands in and out of his pockets, as if he were trying to move forward and backward at the same time. Then suddenly he thrust two dollars at the man selling peelers and snatched a box off the card table and started running down the street. In a second, Enoch Emery was panting at his elbow. My, I reckon you got a heap of money, Enoch Emery said. He saw the child catch up with the blind man and take him by the elbow. They were about a block ahead of him. He slowed down and saw Enoch Emery there. Enoch had on a yellowish-white suit and a pinkish-white shirt, and his tie was the color of green peas. He was smiling. He looked like a friendly hound dog with light mange. How long you been here? Two days, Hayes muttered. I've been here two months, Enoch said. I work for the city. Where do you work? Not working, Hayes said. That's too bad, Enoch said. I work for the city. He skipped a step to get in line with Hayes and then said, I'm 18 year old and I ain't been here but two months and already work for the city. That's fine, Hayes said. He pulled his hat down farther on the side Enoch Emery was on and walked very fast. The blind man up ahead began to make mock bows to the right and left. I didn't catch your name good, Enoch said. Hayes said his name. You look like you might be following them hicks, Enoch remarked. You go in for a lot of Jesus business? No, Hayes said. No, me neither. Not much, Enoch agreed. I went to this here 
Road Mill Boys Bible Academy for four weeks. This year, woman that traded me for my daddy, she sent me. She was a welfare woman. Jesus, four weeks, and I thought I was going to be sanctified crazy. Hayes walked to the end of the block, and Enoch stayed at his elbow, panting and talking. When Hayes started across the street, Enoch yelled, Don't you see the light? That means you gotta stop. A cop blew a whistle, and a car blasted its horn and stopped short. Hayes went on across, keeping his eyes on the blind man in the middle of the block. The policeman kept on blowing his whistle. He crossed the street to where Hayes was and stopped him. He had a thin face and oval-shaped yellow eyes. You know what that little thing hanging up there is for? He asked, pointing to the traffic light over the intersection. I didn't see it, Hayes said. The policeman looked at him without saying anything. A few people stopped. He rolled his eyes at them. Maybe you thought the red ones was for white folks and the green ones for Negroes, he said. Yeah, I thought that, Hayes said. Take your hand off me. The policeman took his hand off and put it on his hip. He backed one step away and said, You tell all your friends about these lights. Red is to stop. Green is to go. Men and women. White folks. Negroes. All go on the same light. You tell all your friends. So when they come to town, they'll know. People laughed. I'll look after him, Enoch Emery said, pushing in by the policeman. He ain't been here but two days. I'll look after him. How long you been here? The cop asked. I was born and raised here, Enoch said. This is my old hometown. I'll take care of him for you. Hey, wait, he yelled at Hayes. Wait on me. He pushed out of the crowd and caught up with him. I reckon I saved you this time, he said. I'm obliged, Hayes said. It was nothing, Enoch said. Why don't we go to Walgreens and get us a soda? Ain't no nightclubs open this early. I don't like drugstores, Hayes said. Goodbye. That's all right, Enoch said. I reckon I'll go along and keep you company for a while. He looked up ahead at the blind man and the child and said, I sure wouldn't want to get messed up with no hicks this time of night, particularly the Jesus kind. I done had enough of them myself. This year, welfare woman that traded me from my daddy didn't do nothing but pray. Me and daddy, we moved around with a sawmill where we worked and it's set up outside Boonville one summer, and here come this year woman. He caught hold of Hayes' coat. Only objection I got to talking him is there's too many people on the streets, he said confidentially. Look like all they want to do is knock you down. Well, here she come, and I reckon she took a fancy to me. I was twelve year old, and I could sing some hymns good. I learnt off a nigger. So here she comes talking a fancy to me, and traded me off my daddy, and took me to Boonville to live with her. 
She had a brick house, but it was Jesus all day long. The little man lost in a pair of faded overalls jostled him. Why don't you look where you're going? Enoch growled. The little man stopped and raised his arm in a vicious gesture, and a nasty dog look came onto his face. Who you telling what? He snarled. You see, Enoch said, jumping to catch up with Hayes. All they want to do is knock you down. I ain't never been to such an unfriendly place before, even with that woman. I stayed with her for two months in that house of hers. And then come fall, she sent me to the Road Mill Boys Bible Academy. And I thought that show was going to be some relief. This woman was hard to get along with. She wasn't old. Reckon she was maybe 40 year old. But she sure was ugly. She had this here brown glasses and her hair was so thin it looked like ham gravy trickling over her skull. I thought it was going to be certain relief to get their academy. I had run away once on her, and she got me back and come to find out she had papers on me. She could send me to the penitentiary if I didn't stay with her, so I sure was glad to get to that there academy. You ever been to academy? Hayes didn't seem to hear the question. Well, one no relief, Enoch said. Good Jesus, it one no relief. I run away from there after four weeks, and darn if she didn't get me back and brought me to that house of hers again. I got out, though. He waited a minute. You want to know how? After a second, he said, I scared the hell out of that woman. That's how. I studied on it and studied on it. I even prayed. I said, Jesus, show me the way to get out of here without killing this year woman and getting sent to the penitentiary. And darn if he didn't. I got up one morning at just daylight and I went to her room without my pants on and pulled the sheet off her and give her a heart attack. Then I went back to my daddy. We ain't seen hide of her since. Your jaw just crawls, he observed, watching the side of Hayes' face. You don't never laugh. I wouldn't be surprised if you wasn't a real wealthy man. Hayes turned down a side street. The blind man and the girl were on the corner a block ahead. Well, I reckon we're going to catch up with them after all, Enoch said. You know many people here? No, Hayes said. You ain't going to know none either. This is one more hard place to make friends. I've been here two months. I don't know nobody. Look like all they want to do is knock you down. I reckon you got a right heap of money, he said. I ain't got none. Had, I sure know what to do with it. The blind man and his child stopped on the corner and turned up the left side of the street. We catching up, he said. 
I bet we'll be at some meeting singing hymns with her and her daddy if we don't watch out. Up on the next block, there was a large building with columns and a dome. The blind man and the girl were going toward it. There was a car parked in every space around the building and on the other side of the street and up and down the streets near it. That ain't no picture show, Enoch said. The blind man and the girl turned up the steps to the building. The steps went all the way across the front, and on either side there were stone lions sitting on pedestals. Ain't no church, Enoch said. Hayes stopped at the steps. He looked as if he were trying to settle his face into an expression. He pulled the black hat forward at a sharp angle and started toward the two, who had sat down in the corner by one of the lions. He came up to where the blind man was without saying anything, and stood leaning forward in front of him, as if he were trying to see through the black glasses. The child stared at him. The blind man's mouth thinned slightly. I can spell sin on your breath, he said. Hayes drew back. What'd you follow me for? I never followed you, Hayes said. She said you were following the blind man said, jerking his thumb in the direction of the child. I ain't followed you, Hayes said. He felt the peeler box in his hand and looked at the girl. Her black knit cap made a straight line across her forehead. She grinned suddenly and then quickly drew her expression back together as if she smelled something bad. I ain't followed you nowhere, Hayes said. I followed her. He stuck the peeler out at her. At first she looked as if she was going to grab it, but she didn't. I don't want that thing, she said. What, you think I want that thing? Take it. It ain't mine. I don't want it. You take it, the blind man said. You put it in your sack and shit up before I hit you. Hayes thrust the peeler at her again. I won't have it, she muttered. You take it like I told you, the blind man said. He never followed you. She took it and shoved it in the sack where the tracks were. It ain't mine, she said. I got it, but it ain't mine. I followed her to say I ain't beholden for none of her fast eyes like she gave me back there, Hayes said, looking at the blind man. What do you mean? She shouted. I never looked at you with no fast eye. I only watched you tearing up that track. He tore it up into little pieces. She said, pushing the blind man's shoulder. He tore it up and sprinkled it all over the ground like salt and wiped his hands on his pants. He followed me, the blind man said. Nobody would follow you. I could hear the urge for Jesus in his voice. Jesus, Hayes muttered. My Jesus. He sat down by the girl's leg and set his hand on the step next to her foot. She had on sneakers and black cotton stockings. Listen to him cursing, she said in a low tone. He never followed you, Papa. The blind man gave his edgy laugh. Listen, boy, you can't run away from Jesus. Jesus is a fact. I know a whole heap about Jesus, Enoch said. I attended this year Roadmill Boys Bible Academy that a woman sent me to. If it's anything you want to know about Jesus, just ask me. 
he had got up on the lion's back and he was sitting there sideways, cross-legged. I come a long way, Hayes said, since I would believe anything. I come halfway around the world. Me too, Enoch Emery said. You ain't come so far that you could keep from following me, the blind man said. He reached out suddenly and his hands covered Hayes' face. For a second, Hayes didn't move or make any sound. Then he knocked the hands off. Quit it, he said in a faint voice. You don't know anything about me. My daddy looks just like Jesus, Enoch remarked from the lion's back. His hair hangs to his shoulders. Only difference is he's got a scar across his chin. I ain't never seen who my mother is. Some preacher has left his mark on you, the blind man said with a kind of snicker. Did you follow for me to take it off or give you another? Listen here, there's nothing for your pain but Jesus, the child said suddenly. She tapped Hayes on the shoulder. He sat there with his black hat tilted forward over his face. Listen, she said in a louder voice. This here man and woman killed this little baby. It was her own child, but it was ugly, and she never gave it any love. This child had Jesus, and this woman didn't have nothing but good looks and a man she was living in sin with. She sent the child away, and it come back, and she sent it away again, and it come back again, and every time she sent it away, it come back to where her and this man was living in sin. They strangled it with a silk stocking and hung it up in the chimney. It didn't give her any peace after that, though. Everything she looked at was that child. Jesus made it beautiful to haunt her. She couldn't lie with that man without she saw it, staring through the chimney at her, shining through the brick in the middle of the night. My Jesus, Hayes muttered. She didn't have nothing but good looks, she said in a loud, fast voice. That ain't enough, though. No siree. I hear them scraping their feet inside there, the blind man said. Get out the tracks. They're fixing to come out. It ain't enough, she repeated. What we gonna do? Enoch asked. What's inside that they're building? A program letting out, the blind man said. My congregation. The child took the tracks out of the gunny sack and gave him two bunches of them, tied with string. You and the other boy, go over on that side and give them out, he said to her. Me and the one that followed me will stay over here. He don't have no business touching them, she said. He don't want to do anything but shred them up. Go, like I told you, the blind man said. She stood there a second, scowling, then she said, You, come on if you're coming, to Enoch Emery. And Enoch jumped off the lion and followed her over to the other side. Hayes ducked down a step, but the blind man's hand shot out and clamped him around the arm. He said in a fast whisper, Repent. Go to the head of the stairs and renounce your sins and distribute these tracts to the people. And he thrust a stack of pamphlets into Hayes's hand. Hayes jerked his arm away, but he only pulled the blind man nearer. Listen, I'm as clean as you are, he said. Fornication and blasphemy, and what else? The blind man said. They ain't nothing but words, 
he said. If I was in sin, I was in it before I ever committed any. There's no change coming me. He was trying to pry the fingers off from around his arm, but the blind man kept wrapping them tighter. I don't believe in sin, Hayes said. Take your hand off me. Jesus loves you, the blind man said in a flat, mocking voice. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Nothing matters but that Jesus don't exist, Hayes said, pulling his arm free. Go to the head of the stairs and distribute these tracks, and I'll take them up there and throw them over into the bushes, Hayes shouted. You be watching and see can you see. I can see more than you, the blind man yelled, laughing. You got eyes and see not, ears and hear not, but you'll have to see sometime. You be watching if you can see. Hayes said and started running up the steps. A crowd of people were already coming out of the auditorium doors, and some of them were halfway down the steps. He pushed through them with his elbows out like sharp wings, and when he got to the top, a new surge of them pushed him back almost to where he had started up. He fought through them again until somebody shouted, Make room for the idiot! And people got out of his way. He rushed to the top and pushed his way over to the side and stood there glaring and panting. I never followed him, he said aloud. I wouldn't follow a blind fool like that. My Jesus. He stood against the building holding the stack of leafless by the string. A fat man stopped near him to let a cigar and Hayes pushed his shoulder. Look down yonder, he said. See that blind man down there? He's giving out tracts and begging. Jesus. You ought to see him. He's got this ugly child dressed up in woman's clothes and giving them out too. My Jesus. Well, there's always fanatics, the fat man said, moving on. My Jesus, Hayes said. He leaned forward near an old woman with blue hair and a collar of red wooden beads. You better get on the other side, lady. There's a fool down there giving out tracks. The crowd behind the old woman pushed her on, but she looked at him for an instant, with two bright flea eyes. He started toward her through the people, but she was already too far away, and he pushed to where he had been standing against the wall. I want to tell you people something. Maybe you think you're not clean because you don't believe. Well, you are clean. Let me tell you that. Every one of you people is clean. Let me tell you why. If you think it's because of Jesus Christ crucified, you're wrong. I don't say he wasn't crucified, but I say it wasn't for you. Listen here, I'm a preacher myself, and I preach the truth. The crowd was moving fast. It was like a large spread rattling, and the separate threads disappeared down the dark streets. Don't I know what exists and what don't? He cried. Don't I have eyes in my head? Am I a blind man? Listen here, I'm going to preach a new church, the Church of truth without Jesus Christ crucified. It won't cost you nothing to join my church. It's not started yet, but it's going to be. The few people who had left glanced at him once or twice. There were tracks scattered below, over the sidewalk, and out on the street. The blind man was sitting on the bottom step. Enoch Emery was on the other side, standing on the lion's head, trying to balance himself. And the child was standing near him, watching Hayes. I don't need Jesus. What do I need with Jesus? Hayes said. I got Leora Watts. 
He went down the stairs quietly to where the blind man was and stopped. He stood there a second, and the blind man laughed. Hayes moved away and started across the street. He was on the other side before the voice pierced after him. He turned and saw the blind man standing in the middle of the street shouting, Hawks! Hawks! My name is Aza Hawks! When you try to follow me again! A car had to swerve to the side to keep from hitting him. Repent! He shouted and laughed and ran forward a little way, pretending he was going to come after Hayes and grab him. Hayes drew his head down near his hunched shoulders and went on quickly. He didn't look back until he heard other footsteps coming up behind him. Now that we got shut of them, Enoch Emery panted, why don't we go somewhere and have some fun? Listen, Hayes said roughly, I got business of my own. I seen all of you I want. And he began walking fast. Enoch kept skipping steps to keep up. I've been here two months, and I don't know nobody. People ain't friendly here. I got me a room, and there ain't never nobody in it but me. My daddy said I had to come. I would never have come, but he made me. I think I've seen you somewhere before. You ain't from Stockwell, are you? No. Melzy? No. Sawmill set up there once, Enoch said. Looked like you had a kind of familiar face. They walked on without saying anything until they got on the main street again. It was almost deserted. Goodbye, Hayes said. I'm going this way too, Enoch said in a sullen voice. On the left was a movie house where the electric bill was being changed. We hadn't got tied up with them hicks. We could have gone to a show, he muttered. He strode along at Hayes' elbow, talking in a half-mumble, half-whine. Once he caught at his sleeve to slow him down, and Hayes jerked it away. My daddy made me come, he said in a cracked voice. Hayes looked at him and saw he was crying, face seamed and wet, and a purple-pink color. I ain't but eighteen years old, and he made me come. I don't know nobody. Nobody here have nothing to do with nobody else. They ain't friendly. He done gone off with a woman and made me come, but she ain't gonna stay for long. He'll beat hell out of her before she gets herself stuck to a chair. You the first familiar face I've seen in two months. I seen you summers before. I just, I know I seen you summers before. Hayes looked straight ahead with his face set, and Enoch kept up the half-mumble, half-blubber. They passed a church and a hotel and an antique shop and turned up Mrs. Watts' street. If you want a woman, you don't have to be following... Nothing look like that kid you give a paler to, Enoch said. I heard about where there's a house where we could have us some fun. I could pay you back next week. Look, Hayes said. I'm going where I'm going, two doors from here. I got a woman. I got a woman, see? And that's where I'm going, to visit her. I don't need to go with you. 
I can pay you back next week. I'll work at the city zoo. I guard a gate, and I get paid every week. Get away from me, Hayes said. People ain't friendly here. You ain't from here, but you ain't friendly neither. Hayes didn't answer him. He went on with his neck drawn close to his shoulder blades as if he were cold. You don't know nobody neither, Enoch said. You ain't got no woman nor nothing to do. I knew when I first seen you, you didn't have nobody nor nothing but Jesus. I seen you and I knew it. This is where I'm going in at, Hayes said, and he turned up the walk without looking back at Enoch. Enoch stopped. Yeah, he cried. Oh, oh yeah. Then he ran a sleeve under his nose to stop the snivel. Yeah, he cried. Go on where you're going, but look her here. He slapped at his pocket and ran up and caught Hayes' sleeve and rattled the peeler box at him. She give me this. She give it to me, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. She told me where they lived and asked me to visit them and bring you. Not you bring me, me bring you. And it was you following them. His eyes glinted through the tears, and his face stretched in an evil, crooked grin. You act like you think you got wiser blood than anybody else. But you ain't. I'm the one that has it, not you, me. Hayes didn't say anything. He stood there for an instant, small in the middle of the steps, and he raised his arm and hurled the stack of tracks that he'd been carrying. It hit Enoch in the chest, knocked his mouth open. He stood looking, with his mouth hanging open at where it had hit his front. Then he turned and tore off down the street, and Hayes went into the house. Since the night before was the first night he had slept with any woman, he had not been very successful with Mrs. Watts. When he finished, he was like something washed ashore on her. She had made obscene comments about him, which he remembered off and on during the day. He was uneasy in the thought of going to her again. He didn't know what she would say when he opened the door and she saw him there. When he opened the door and she saw him there, she laughed. The black hat sat on his head squarely. He came in with it on, and when it knocked the electric light bulb that hung down from the middle of the ceiling, he took it off. Mrs. Watts was in bed, applying a grease to her face. She rested her chin on her hand and watched him. He began to move around the room, examining this and that. His throat got drier and his heart began to grip him like a little ape clutching the bars of his cage. He sat down on the edge of her bed with his hat in his hand. Mrs. Watts's grin was as curved and sharp as the blade of a sickle. It was plain she was so well-adjusted that she didn't have to think anymore. Her eyes took everything in whole like quicksand. That Jesus saying hat, she said. She sat up and pulled her nightgown from under her and took it off. She reached for his hat and put it on her head and sat with her hands on her hips, walling her eyes in a comical way. Hayes stared for a minute, then he made three quick noises that were laughs. He jumped for the electric light cord and took off his clothes in the dark. 
Once, when he was small, his father took him to a carnival that stopped in Milsey. There was one tent that cost more money a little off to one side. A dried-up man with a horn voice was barking at it. He didn't say what was inside. He said it was so sensational that it would cost any man that wanted to see it 35 cents, and it was so exclusive only 15 could get in at a time. His father sent him to a tent where two monkeys danced, and then he made for it, moving close to the walls of things like he moved. Hayes left the monkeys and followed him, but he didn't have 35 cents. He asked the barker what was inside. Beat it, the man said. There ain't no pop, and there ain't no monkeys. I already seen them, he said. That's fine, the man said. Beat it. I got 15 cents. Why don't you let me in? I could see half of it. It was something about a privy, he was thinking. It was some men in a privy. Then he thought, maybe it's a man and a woman in a privy. She wouldn't want me in there. I got 15 cents, he said. More than half over, the man said, fanning with a straw hat. You run along. That'll be 15 cents worth then, Hayes said. Scram, the man said. Is it a Negro? Hayes asked. Are you doing something to a Negro? The man leaned off his platform. His dried-up face drew into a glare. Where'd you get that idea? I don't know, Hayes said. How old are you? The man asked. Twelve? Hayes said. He was ten. Give me that fifteen cents. Get in there, the man said. He slid the money on the platform and scrambled to get in before it was over. He went through the flap of the tent, and inside there was another tent, and he went through that. All he could see were the backs of the men. He climbed up onto a bench and looked over their heads. They were looking down into a lowered place where something white was lying, squirming a little, in a box lined with black cloth. For a second he thought it was a skinned animal, and then he saw it was a woman. She was fat and had a face like an ordinary woman, except that there was a mole on the corner of her lip, that booed when she grinned, and one on her side. Had one of them there built into every casket, his father up toward the front said. Be heap ready to go sooner. Hayes recognized the voice without looking. He slid down off the bench and scrambled out of the tent. He crawled under the side of the outside one because he didn't want to pass the barker. He got in the back of a truck and sat down in the far corner of it. The carnival was making a tin roar outside. His mother was standing by the wash pot in the yard, looking at him when he got home. She wore black all the time, and her dresses were longer than any other woman's. She was standing there straight, looking at him. He moved behind a tree and got out of her view, but in a few minutes he could feel her watching him through the tree. She saw the lowered place and the casket again, a thin woman in the casket who was too long for it. Her head stuck up at one end, and her knees were raised to make it fit. She had a cross-shaped face and hair pulled close to her head. She stood flat against the tree, waiting. She left the wash pot and came toward him with a stick. And she said, What you seen? She repeated using the same tone. What you seen? She hit him across the legs with a stick but he was like part of a tree. Jesus died to redeem you, she said. I never asked him, he muttered. 
She didn't hit him again, but stood looking at him, shut mouth, and he forgot the guilt of the tent for the nameless, unplaced guilt that was in him. In a minute, she threw the stick away from her and went back to the washpot, still shut-mouthed. The next day, he took his shoes in secret out into the woods. He didn't wear them except for revivals and in the winter. He took them out of the box and filled the bottoms of them with stones and small rocks. Then he put them on. He laced them up tight and walked in them through the woods for what he knew to be a mile until he came to the creek. Then he sat down, took them off, and eased his feet in the wet sand. He thought that ought to satisfy him. Nothing happened. If a stone had fallen, he would have taken it as a sign. After a while, he drew his feet out of the sand and let them dry. Then he put the shoes on again with the rock still in them, and he walked a half mile back before he took them off.